Our text this evening is 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 4. Again, it parallels Psalm 18 in great detail, the same historical context. Uh, almost seems like Psalm 18 is put into 2 Samuel 22 or, or vice versa. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 4. We are going to look at some other verses in this chapter and in the chapter before to get some of its context to draw out uh, uh, some helpful things for us. Second uh, Samuel 22, verse 4. Hear now the word of the Lord. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Let me read that again. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. And while we will look at the context, and frankly, more than I was originally planning because it's such an intriguing context, what I'm really wanting to highlight here is a phrase here, as is also in some other scriptures, such as Psalm 18, he is worthy to be praised. God is worthy to be praised. That's the main thing I, I want us to be really digesting tonight and working with. It would reinvigorate and, and even make more meaningful, especially as we come to worship worship each week. Somebody might ask us, why do you go to worship all the time? Why do you always go back in the evening? Why do you make this thing about the Lord's Day? Well, there's other things we could say it's commanded, but here's a wonderful response, because God is worthy to be praised. God is worthy to be praised. That being said, I have a question for you, or throw out the scenario to you. Uh, Imagine... You're in the wrestling ring. And who faces you there but Andre the Giant? You familiar? Remember Andre the Giant? He's no longer on this earth. But when he was on this earth, I would imagine you could hear him coming. <laughs> you, know, you know, he was seven foot four inches tall. He was a 520 pounds. Most wrestlers, and I know there's probably some views about, hey, I wrestled in high school. I have some views about professional wrestling in certain cases. But nonetheless, they were, most of them were afraid of him. In fact, one thing I saw said, uh, you know, if he wasn't willing to work with you, meaning how the event is supposed to go, <laughs> there was no beating him. <laughs> he was huge. Imagine you're in the ring with Andre the Giant. Good chance you'd have gotten beat up badly, if you survived. Unless someone jumps in to rescue you. And in this case, probably a whole bunch of others jumping in to rescue you. And I throw that out to you because it's the context of our verse tonight. Bear with me and I'll bear this out. Verse 1 And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. Look at verse 19. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. But that's the context of I'm going to praise the Lord. He delivered me from my enemies. That's the way he delivered me. That's the reason for praising him uh, given here. Uh, 
he saved me from mine enemies. And we see that from the text. That's actually what he's coming out of. He's responding to having been saved from his enemies. Again, there's a parallel account in Psalm 18, verse 3. But I want to read for you the title again of Psalm 18 because it's the same situation being talked about. It's mostly the same words being given to praise. But the title there says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Now that last part is related to chapter 21 of our text, verses 1 to 14. There's a lot there said about Saul, some pretty gruesome stuff, frankly. It's always alarming to read some of those verses. Um, But it's related to the kingdom being given over to him and some sad things that happened to Saul and some sad things that happened to his sons because of what he did to the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites should have never happened. That's a whole nother sermon, a whole nother text. But anyways, the house of Saul has been given over to the house of David, the kingdom. Uh, But the second part, when he says, you've delivered me from all my enemies, is is broader. And we get the context uh, context in chapter 21 as well, verses 15 and following. I want to just look at a few verses with you. Would you look with me at chapter 21, verse 15? I'm going to give you a, a sense of what he's talking about. Chapter 21, 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. Notice that. He waxed faint. He was wiped out. So when he's singing the psalm later, thank you for delivering me. I almost didn't make it through these battles with the Philistines. Philistines think in scripture often being some of the arch enemies of God's people. Uh, Remember, it's the Philistines David dealt with originally when he was younger, defeating Goliath. More on that in a moment. But notice through these wars that he highlights here, or that are being highlighted, then David sings this song of thank you for delivering me. And it was my praise of you that how you did deliver me. Notice he waxed faint. Now look ahead to verse 16. And Ish... Be Benab, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. So David says, it says that David waxed faint in the earlier verse, and then this giant actually thought he did kill David. So think about it. If this giant thinks David had killed him, David probably didn't look too good on the battlefield. You can imagine, and I don't know exactly what this looks like, but you can imagine as in some pretty scary scenes we've seen in movies about war and documentaries, they go around looking to see whoever isn't quite dead yet to finish them off. You get the sense maybe that is, and David looks pretty good dead. Giant thinks he's killed him. Verse 17, but Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, succored him and smote the Philistines and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. They're saying, We cannot afford to have you die, and you almost died. The kings go out to battle, but you can't go out with us anymore. We can't risk you being dead. That's how severe this thing is. The context of David is saying, I will praise you. You are worthy to be praised. You have delivered me from my enemies, and it's how you delivered me. I never stopped praising you. But this is the context we see. 
In fact, look at verse 19. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where Elanan, the son of Jairar Ejim, excuse me, these names are difficult, uh, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. So do we see here Goliath's brother. Wow, remember, David had killed his brother, Goliath. So his brother probably wants some revenge here. He's also probably similar size. He's a giant. They're being called giants. His brother's similarly huge. You see the weight of his beam. Goliath's sword and all their armor and things were talked about. Remember, uh, one web, uh, excuse me, we know a lot about what Goliath's size was and the weight of his armor. One website estimates from the biblical information that Goliath was probably nine and a half to ten and a half feet tall. And his armor and his weapons weighed about 200 pounds. (laughs) I mean, think about David couldn't even take Saul's armor, right? Because he didn't know how to work with it. It It was difficult to work with. He wasn't trained with it. But I think also it was probably a little heavy for him. These are the kinds of people they're fighting now. And you know, I think we all know, we don't quite have the same strength and vigor we do in our earlier days, right? It's a little harder to keep fighting the Philistines again and again and again. It's kind of hard to keep facing the giants as we get older. I know I'm a whippersnapper compared to some of you, and yet my body is feeling that I'm nearing 50. <laughs> I, I kind of joked with my, my wife the other day, for instance, you know, when I get up from sitting on that airplane for a while or sitting in the car for a while, you know, it's like I sort of, I don't believe in evolution, but it's as if I illustrated, you know, it's kind of one of these, slowly, you know, and I didn't used to feel like that before. And so David here, he's still fighting the giants. All of these things are just constant battles with the Philistines, and he almost gets killed. And facing these giants ain't quite the same as it was, especially all of them. It's not just face to face with a giant representing the armies. It's all the armies going at it. He almost dies. And in all of this, four battles with the Philistines, four different giants are highlighted. Verse 22. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Because God will deliver us from our enemies... He is worthy to be praised. I give that to you as the idea of our verse in its context. 2 Samuel 22, 4. Because God will deliver us from our enemies, he is worthy to be praised. And I think as I think about it more, singing it in Psalm 18 and reading it more here, I would even say I think the point of it is also it was because he praised God that the Lord preserved him and gave him the ability to prevail over his enemies. I think both aspects are true there. There's lots of reasons to praise God, but this is a pretty good one. Perseverance and deliverance from all our enemies seeking to destroy us, especially the devil and our old self. In particular, Jesus is our deliverer and our savior. When it says, shall be saved, that's based on the Hebrew word, the root where we get Yeshua. That comes up later in Psalm 18 with scriptures uh, uh, um, related to Jesus saving us. But 
shall be saved based on the idea of the root of Yeshua, Jesus. He saves us. Matthew 1, verse 21, remember the angel said, Gabriel, the angel, I believe, said, you will call his name Jesus, Mary, because why? Because that's what it means, God save us. And he, that's not what he says, but that's what it means. Why will you call him Jesus? He will save his people from their sins. We are our own worst enemy, are we not? And haven't we heard before, I have met the enemy, and it is me, it's myself. Matthew 28, verse 9, Mark 5, verse 6, just a few scriptures, for example, they worshipped Jesus. Jesus is worthy to be worshipped. He is God, and he is our Savior, God our Savior, Yeshua. The Hebrew word, for praise in our text is uh, hallel, related to the word hallel. Uh, it's where we get the word hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. Now think about that. The command so often in scripture is praise ye the Lord. So often in the Psalms written by God to worship him. Remember, he gives us a worship book because he desires to be worshipped by us. Because he is worthy to be praised. As our scripture says in Psalm 18 says, Hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. How many times do the Psalms not start and say throughout, praise ye the Lord. Sing to the Lord. The Hebrew for worthy to be praised was a bit of a challenge for me to exegete. And again, don't be too impressed. I'm using my computer software and you know, having to scroll over things and see what relates. I don't mean to try to impress you, but I had trouble with it. You know why? I couldn't find worthy anywhere. You know, sometimes that's the case. A couple words represent something, but I'm like, where are they getting worthy from in our translation? I think I've realized where they're getting it from. It's from the word that actually comes first in the sentence. It's the word related to praise. It begins the sentence. It's, it's got something attached to the beginning that means for or to, and it's a participle. So the sentence starts with something like for praising or to be praised. It's the for. It's just that little letter attached to the word praise. It's as if it's saying, God is to be praised. That's what God is for. He is for praising. You could say effectively for you. Now, that doesn't mean God exists for us. We exist for him. But you could say effectively, God exists for you to praise him. That's what he's for as far as you and I are concerned. To praise. To worship. Or to say it another way more correctly, what is your chief end? Shorter catechism number one. Your chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. First Chronicles 16, verse 25, Psalm 48, verse 1, Isaiah 96, verse 4, all say, God is greatly to be praised. Not only is he worthy to be praised, he is greatly to be praised. And in those verses, one of the reasons is he is great. This is how we have to have our attitude about how we center our week around worship on the Lord's Day and how we approach and leave and come back to worship. He is great. He's greatly to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. That's why we come. 
That's why he saved us. To glorify him, enjoy him. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Psalm 72 verse 19. Especially worship Jesus for delivering you from sin and Satan and death and hell and this world. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10. Wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Acts chapter 13, verse 23. Of this man's seed, that is, of David's seed, hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior. Jesus. Philippians 3 verse 20. Lord willing, we'll get to this shortly. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10 but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So Paul can say elsewhere in Romans, death has no sting. Because Jesus has delivered us from the power of sin and death. Titus 2, verse 13. Beloved, be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And of course, Titus 3, 5 and 6, we know well. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Deliverer. Beloved, here is your present and especially your future reality. Because God has delivered you and me and will, on the last great day, deliver us completely from his and our enemies. This is what you are already enjoying and what you will enjoy in full in eternity. Revelation 4 verse 8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy Holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Of course, reflecting Isaiah 6. Of course, you recognize, reflecting Isaiah 6, there's this extreme sense of reverent worship in God's presence. He is worthy to be acknowledged for being thrice holy. Revelation 4, 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor 
and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. I love to see some of you mouthing those words. I almost chose that verse for our theme tonight. I I wanted to go with just these simple words. God is worthy to be praised. But thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Another way of saying it. Revelation 5, verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Revelation 7, verses 9 to 12. After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation! To our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders, and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. I want to highlight something. I was thankful to be listening to a sermon by J. Montgomery Boyce on a psalm today while I was rocking one of our little guys back to sleep. I usually do that before I gives me a chance to rest before I get back to preparing things. And uh, he talked about praise and the word hallelujah and all these things. And he reminded me to remember to bring what we so often do, shorter catechism number one. But he was really highlighting something important to understand when we worship God. You might, I don't know if you notice, I'm feeling a bit emotional as I, I'm just quite taken with these words and all this beautiful worship of God. God is worthy of our praise. But recognize we're talking about propositions. We're talking about truths. We're talking about attributes of God. We're saying things about him. And he was really highlighting in the sermon, this needs to involve our minds, our intellect, our thoughts. We need to think about God. We need to think about who he is. We need to think about what he does. We need to have specific things that we are glorifying and praising him for. I want to highlight that in contrast to what he said, quoting other important theologians. We're getting to a place where we don't think. And our worship is almost meaningless. It's just about us and conjuring up spirits in our imaginations of how we feel. Praise God for who he is and what he deserves. And those feelings will come naturally, beloved, and in their right order. And the right thoughts and feelings. Beloved, as you can see from David's perspective on earth and from the perspective of the angel's vantage point in heaven, along with Christians who are already there, God is worthy of your worship. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. 
so shall I be saved from mine enemies. Trust indeed that that will be the way the Lord preserves you. And trust that will be one of the significant reasons you praise him through on the other side. Here on this earth, as he defeats your giants, and especially in heaven, when he casts the devil and demons and the wicked into the lake of fire and allows you to inherit the new heavens and earth. Surrounding his throne and Jesus worshiping him, which is what you have been created to do, which is what you have been saved and delivered to do. And we will be saying no longer as they do in heaven right now, how long, O Lord, until you bring us vengeance over our, uh, those who made us martyrs. Instead, we'll just be saying, thank you, Lord, for your complete justice, for making this truly one global nation under God and of his Christ and his kingdom of true shalom shall reign forever and ever. He is delivering you. He will deliver you. Remember, he's coming on a white horse, conquering and to conquer. Thank the Lord that he has caused you and I to bow and kiss him, lest he be angry with us and we perish in the way. Blessed are you who trust in him. How thankful we are that he has blessed us to respond to him, unlike the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew, causing us to be humble and not trust in ourselves, but instead trust in him as he rode in just a few chapters before Matthew 21 on a donkey, fulfilling prophecy, offering peace as the prince of peace while it is to be had as we bow to him. And as we wait on him for the perfect peace of heaven, And we praise him. He gives us a peace that is not of this world, keeps our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And he will give us complete and total deliverance. And we'll just praise him all the more in heaven. Let it be your means of perseverance. And let it be one of the significant causes of your praise. He delivers us from all his and our enemies. Such as said of Christ in our catechism and his kingly office, mediatorial kingly office. Beloved, let us have it on our heart. I will call on the Lord. I will come to worship him and call upon him. Why? Because he is worthy to be praised. He is my deliverer and he is more than worthy to be praised. Let us pray. O Lord God, you are our deliverer, our savior, our shield, our refuge, our ever-present help in trouble. We will be still and know that you are God and you will be exalted. May you be exalted in our heart as we bow our knee and confess with our tongues that Jesus is Lord. And we say with the Spirit, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Deliver us completely. And until that final day of your second coming, deliver us each day more and more from our old man. And let us praise you as the means of persevering through. And let us praise you as we look back and see how you have brought us through again. Help us to conquer our giants, especially those within. And let us praise you all the way and afterward all the more. For you are worthy 
of our praise. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of my worship. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all your worshipers said, Amen.